0: Welcome to episode number 86 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I discuss sleep, the number one biohack for your fat loss results. Now, in all seriousness, sleep is extremely important, and we've talked about it on a number of episodes here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, but never has it had its own solo episode. So today we are going into all of the weeds of all things science and behavior and habits of sleep and how you can improve it so that you see better results, not only in your fat loss or muscle gain journey, but also just having a better quality of life. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode number 86 Sleep, the number one biohack for your fat loss results.
1: Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we're going to be chatting all about
0: sleep. My favorite thing in the world.
1: <laughs>
0: I, uh, if you don't know me that well, then you probably don't know that I could probably sleep nine or ten hours a night, and like, just that's the way that I could live. Um, <laughs> I love sleeping, but. going to talk about why sleep is actually probably the number one um, biohack if you will for fat loss results and any sort of body recomposition results if you're trying to change the way that you look uh, a lot of people don't factor sleep into the equation the same way they don't really factor stress into the equation which why wouldn't we we spend so much of our lives asleep like why wouldn't that play a role and so we're going to break break everything down into what sleep affects, um, how to know if you're not having good quality sleep, questions to ask yourself, um, and then tactical tips on how to get better sleep and practice better what's called sleep hygiene so that you can actually get better rest and see better results because of it.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode because I think kind of like what you're talking about is like there's a really big difference between sleep in quality sleep. So I'm really excited to kind of dive in and and really, I mean, this is, we talk about this a lot in, in fat loss episodes, but this can be one of the big, big, big things holding you back from reaching your goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And most people won't consider it. And, um, you know, I'll use a, I'll kind of intro us in here with a practical example of my fiance. Um, it's actually a really, really good example. We were talking about it recently because he was reflecting on, his fat loss phase for our wedding, which is in five and a half weeks now. So we're both dieting. And um, you know, it's going about as well as it can for me, uh, but it's going really well for him. <laughs> so basically, uh he used to work night shifts. Like I met him when he was working on a, on a night shift. Um, and he worked nights up until literally last September was when he switched his schedule. So a good, you know, since fall of 2018 to fall of 2021, a good three years of going to bed at seven or eight in the morning and waking up at three or four in the afternoon. Um, And that does a number on the system. (laughs) And early on in his night shift career, he, the first fat loss phase he ever did was probably six months after he switched to night shift and, um, the, the fat loss phase went really, really well. Cause it was his first time really ever doing anything like that. Tracking macros, uh, really being diligent about nutrition, hydration, multivitamins, all that stuff. So the weight kind of fell off the first time, but the second time he did a fat loss phase in 2020, was short-lived because then everything shut down. He was like, well, I don't need to look good for anything this summer because <laughs> nothing's open. So uh, he he decided to forego that fat loss phase after a few frustrating weeks of nothing really happening. And then 2021, last year, he embarked on a fat loss phase as well. And I believe what he said, and and he's a big guy, so like take these numbers into consideration. Um, I think it took him 16 to 18 weeks to lose 12 to 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. And for a guy who starts out at two sixty, um, you know, 1% of his body weight is 2.6 pounds. So he could be losing up to two and a half pounds a week, but he was, you know, quarter pound here, half a pound here, just, just barely shaving it off. And, and really like I was there, like he was working his ass off to do it. Now, fast forward uh, about, I guess we're what, six, seven months into, or maybe eight or nine into him being on a daytime schedule and getting his sleep patterns back to normal and really, really like just taking care of that, uh, the same amount of weight, 12 to 15 pounds has fallen off in the past six to seven weeks for him. And like, it's the sleep. That made all the difference. Like literally macronutrient targets the same workouts. I think he's doing less because he's Mm. hurt. He hurt his MCL uh, about a month ago. So literally doing less in the gym, moving less, eating about the same as the last diet, but just weights falling off all due to sleep, all due to circadian rhythms and sleep quality. So if that doesn't show you like what sleep can do, then, you know, I don't know what will. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I feel like we've definitely
1: talked about Aaron's sleep in previous episodes. Because I feel, I feel like we, we've talked about it because you yeah. guys were really, really diligent with like making sure he wasn't exposed to light and like doing all the, thi- like, I felt like you guys were really good. And so the fact that like, even if you are like, trying to take care of it as best as you can. If you're not getting good quality sleep, like it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. Like when he was on night shift, we were doing everything humanly possible to make that situation as good as it could be. And it's still, it still sucked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It still
1: makes the, and I think it's, it kind of like sheds light on like how important like our circadian rhythm in it is and like how like going back to our, our roots is is really, really important that like we have all this technology and we can try to fight it and go against it, but at the end of the day, like that's what's best.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just a quick couple definitions for you guys, if you're unfamiliar, but a circadian rhythm is basically like our biological clock of like when we are naturally programmed to wake up and to go to sleep. Um, This is actually, this is malleable, uh, but we do have certain predispositions for uh, particular what are called chronotypes. So chronotypes are basically in layman's terms, are you a morning person? Are you, are you a night owl? Like, Basically, that's what it is like you have predispositions um, genetically, uh, or behaviorally, or whatever it might be to uh, a certain type of biological clock. And so, um, and I won't get too far into the weeds, you know, six minutes into the episode about how you can reprogram your circadian rhythm but um they are malleable but we have predispositions for what's going to feel best for us in our biology um whenever it's possible we want to try to align our actual sleep patterns to what our predispositions are but sometimes you know our shift work or our career or our hours in the day that we have to be up for it doesn't align with that so uh we have to do our best and so that's where a lot of these tips and tricks we're going to give you today we're going to help you find the best case scenario for you and your sleep um regardless of you know whether you're a night owl or you're a morning person like how can we optimize this for you
1: yeah and i think it's important that regardless of if you're a marine person if you're a night owl like
0: whatever your tendency
1: is it's still best to aim for seven to nine hours of sleep at night. So, um, it it doesn't, I mean, of course we don't want it, uh, during the day, (laughs) like we talked about earlier. Um, so having like a nice little window, but it's okay. If you go to bed a little later and wake up later, if you go to bed early and wake up early.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's kind of the first thing that we want to touch on is like how much sleep is good. Um, you know, blanket statement, good, like seven to nine hours per night is generally recommended by most like, you know, world health organizations and what research has deemed to be quote unquote good. I, you know, it's, it's, I I think this can be tricky for some people uh, in terms of just conversation because a lot of times you spit out the words, Oh, you should sleep seven to nine hours per night. And then somebody always says, Well, I sleep five hours a night and I'm fine. And I feel like that's my best. There are anomalies. There are people who are, you know, programmed to sleep a certain amount and that's all they truly need. Uh, but what I push you to consider is that. Just because it's what you've always done and it's how you've always functioned doesn't necessarily mean that it's what's best. Uh, But what I will say is with aging uh, comes a predisposition to sleeping a little bit less over time. So you're gonna need less sleep in your seventies than you would in your forties or thirties or twenties, especially because of all the growth and development that's happening at that point. But uh, so you will sleep less as you get older, but if you're in your thirties or forties and you're like, well, I only need four hours of sleep and that's just how I am. Like consider the fact that there may be a better optimal state for you.
1: <laughs> I, I wish I was one of those people <laughs> that I could no. thrive off of, you know, four to five hours of sleep a night. Cause it would just give me so much more time during the day. But, um, yeah, I, I think it is really important. And, um, I would also like consider, because I feel like if you have one night of bad sleep a week, it may not seem like that big of a deal, but it can really add up. Um, and so you might function fine like the next day, but I feel like the second day really hits you the most. And that's what I'm feeling like today. Today. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I was telling Marissa before we started the podcast. I'm usually someone that gets up between 5.45 and 6.30 and I got up at 7.30 today because I stayed up too late the night prior. Um, But just one night of not great sleep can throw a lot of things kind of out of whack for you, like your hunger hormones. Um, So you might have your body signaling to you the next day or the day after um, that you're hungrier. Um, You might feel like more brain fog. Um, You may not, uh, you may be more irritable and more stressed. Um, So there's a lot of things that can happen just from like one to two hours less for the week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, um, just kind of getting into what sleep affects then, you know, if you're not getting either the amount or the quality within the amount of sleep that you need. And those are, you know, I do want to emphasize both of those things. You can get seven to nine hours of sleep and it can be the crappiest sleep ever. (laughs) And you could still have some of the effects of sleep deprivation. Even if you are sleeping the right amount of hours, if a lot of the conditions are not in place, and we'll talk about what those conditions are um, and how what might impact that, what might impact quality or quantity of sleep that maybe we don't necessarily see as a direct controllable. So I want to get into that in a little bit, but um, just kind of what sleep affects. So like Christina said, cognition alertness, mood, uh, Mm -hmm. is a big one, you know, uh, hormones and cravings. So there has been research to show that even one night of restricted sleep, I believe the study was like eight hours was cut to five hours for one of the groups, um, led to like significant differences in, in the blood work and in the actual balance of hunger hormones. So leptin and ghrelin are the hormones that tell you, are you full? Are you hungry? when should you stop eating? And they were out of balance after one night of poor sleep. And so hormones can be affected and that can lead to a lack of adherence, say with diet. And so, um, and as well as energy expenditure can be affected, your direct energy expenditure of like how your metabolism is functioning, but also indirect, like, are, if you're more tired, you're more likely to be lazier and you will be more likely to expend less energy. And then if we're thinking like athletic capability, uh, your max power output, like if you were to one rep max on a day after a great night of sleep versus a shitty night of sleep, guess which day you're going to have a higher number? Like most of the time, the night that you slept really, really well. So all of those things can be uh, drastically affected. And one thing I, I'll say is they are affected acutely in terms of like if you have one or two n- bad nights of sleep, these things will be affected in the short term. But if your sleep is chronically uh, restricted, then all of these things will be affected chronically as well. and it usually ends up kind of establishing like a new baseline for people of like this is now their new normal, and then they don't realize that they're functioning submaximally or you know, below their optimal capacity for just life. So something to consider as well. You may not notice that all these things are down regulated if you have been suffering with chronic sleep deprivation for a while. Yeah. And I will say the other thing too,
1: that it raises is cortisol. So your stress hormone. um, So the same thing that we have so many episodes on stress too. (laughs) Um, So that's one of the the big reasons that sleep is so important is because you don't want to live in this chronic state of chronically stressed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of a, it's a vicious cycle. And I'm not saying all this, you know, we're not saying this to scare you because like, there's easy solutions to all of this. But, um, you know, if, if you lose a night of sleep, your overall cortisol levels are going to be raised. Um, and cortisol plays a really big role in the sleep-wake cycle. So when you wake up in the morning, your cortisol is, should be at its highest. And when you go to bed, your cortisol level should be Lower, and that's what allows you to get to sleep and fall asleep. Uh, this is why night shift is really hard on people because it's literally trying to sleep in a pattern opposite of your cortisol levels. Um, but basically, you know, if you are chronically sleep deprived and your cortisol hormone is out of balance, it is going to further impact your sleep deprivation because of that change in that hormone affecting now your sleep cycle um mm-hmm. proactively. So it, it is kind of like a self-fueling cycle. Um, especially when we get into the conversation of uh when caffeine comes into the mix. Um, you know, and, and you know, sh- long story short, you wake up after a night of poor sleep, you rely on more caffeine, uh, the caffeine keeps you up later, you get even less sleep, and then you repeat, you repeat, you repeat. Um, these cycles work, you know, in a negative sense and they perpetuate themselves, but they also perpetuate themselves in a positive way. So uh, we'll talk about how to make those shifts. Uh, So just again, not saying it to scare you, but they are very, very vicious cycles. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So how do you think we should uh, kind of go over like quality sleep versus just sleep?
0: Quality of sleep versus sleep, meaning like
1: how do so, we know? Yeah. So like how, how would someone know if they're getting quality sleep or not getting quality sleep? So like the people who are saying,
0: well, I sleep eight hours or nine hours every single day, but I still feel like crap. So like, well, yeah. what's wrong? Yeah. Or like if you sleep four or five hours a night and you're like, well, I feel fine. I feel great. Yeah. This is just my life and this is how I am. Um, so yeah, I think some questions you can ask yourself um, if you're maybe just unsure if your sleep is in a good spot um are the following so you know do i wake up feeling well rested like do i wake up and i'm like wow that was a great sleep or like do i wake up and feel like i didn't sleep at all um you know i think at some point in our lives we've experienced both uh but like what is our general trend um one that is <laughs> is really hard for me is do you snooze the alarm mm-hmm. do you snooze it once do you snooze it twice do you smooth it snooze it um, you know, 10 times before you wake up. Uh, And this is something, you know, I will self-identify with the fact that I have always identified as a person who says, I can sleep 10 hours a night and that's just me. That's just who I am. And the more that I've reflected on it, I don't think that's the case. I think I might've said this on the podcast before, but I really think it's because I am a very high output person, but that's not necessarily the way that the human body uh, is meant to be. And so I output at a level that my body is constantly trying to recover from. And so whenever I get the chance to oversleep, my body says, yes, 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 I need it. (laughs) Um, And so I do feel like, um, and and I've noticed a trend that every time I've said something about that, about myself, that I could just sleep and sleep and sleep, the people that respond and say, me too, are all like type A go-getters, always foot on the gas pedal type of women. And so I'm like, there's something to this. And so I really think that um, if you have trouble with snoozing your alarm over and over again, and you set six alarms to wake up like I do, that is a sign that your body is probably a little out of balance. Maybe you're pushing more than you can recover from. And that might be okay in a temporary timeframe, but it's something to take a look at in terms of just your long-term health and balance in life, which is something that I'm currently doing and working on um but that's one a big one is, is how much do you snooze um i'll let you kind of jump in here because i know i just rambled for a bit <laughs> yeah so
1: i was gonna say or you could be like me and have a baby and you just have an alarm clock that'll wake you up and there's nothing you can do you can't snooze it yeah that's true <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the, like you're saying, like if you're constantly having to sneeze your alarm, the other thing is that you, you just briefly touched on was recovery. So like, what is your recovery? Like, so if you're someone who is super active and you are just like sore all the time, but you're still getting like quality sleep or I'm sorry, you're getting enough sleep. It may not be quality sleep because your body is never actually in a position to recover fully from what you're putting it through
0: yeah something i really like about um the popularization recently of crossfit is like the and and i'm not endorsing this because like i think that there's a lot of uh miscalculation in smart watches but uh the whoop watch is like a popular crossfit watch and it basically um it it brings a concept to mind that i think is important in this conversation now is the woo accurate probably not like ignore that but <laughs> but uh basically it it gives you a recovery score every day based on your sleep and based on your strain for the day so your strain for the day is like how much output did you have were you on your feet all day did you work out three times like what did you do and what was that strain level and then what does your recovery look like so it tries to gauge based on like heart rate, how good quality your sleep was. Like that is, I'm not going to rant about that. It's probably not accurate, but it'll give you a recovery score for your sleep and it'll balance you out. It's like, what percentage are you for the day? So if you think about your sleep and your output in your day-to-day life, like that, you know, like I just described, I'm probably outputting more than I can recover from. Therefore I will sleep more to try to make up for that. Um, or, you know, vice versa if you are not outputting a lot and, you know, you're always waking up at 100%, maybe you sleep less because you just need a little bit less, right? Because you're not like at your st- stress threshold for your body. Um and so I think that that concept paints that picture well even though I don't love this the science behind the the watch
1: <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it's good and i if we talk about all sort of trackers like this like you shouldn't like live and breathe by that thing and like this is this number so therefore this was absolute um so just kind of taking it with a grain of salt and just thinking this is probably fairly accurate but probably not you know right um so, yeah. So I have a, a Garmin watch and it'll tell me the same thing. Like it to try to estimate the sleep cycles that you're in and like what, how much time you spent in each cycle. And it, like you're saying, it goes based off of like heart rate. Um, so it's, it's really interesting, but, um, and this is one of the reasons we talk a lot about being in the right season for fat loss. So like, let's say um, you have something super busy at work. So uh, like if you're an accountant and you're in busy season and you're literally waking up at five in the morning, you're going to work, you come home at midnight, probably shouldn't be in a fat loss phase, or you probably shouldn't try to work out, um, when you're not getting enough sleep and you're probably not getting good quality sleep either. Um, so this is one of the reasons why it is super, super important that you're recovering from what you're putting your body through. So I think that's a, a, just a really, really good reminder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, two things on that, you know, obviously we endorse working out in, your busy season and making it work. I think if I can kind of put words in your mouth and say what I think you were trying to say with that was like, don't push your workouts 120%, you know, beyond recovery in that timeframe. It's not PR season and busy yeah. season. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not neglect everything. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's move because it feels good and gives you more energy type yes. of season. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Thank you for the clarification. You yeah. Know exactly
0: what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, I I can read through the lines there. Yeah. All um, right.
1: So we have quality sleep. So we have if you're
0: getting up and snoozing the alarm, how your recovery is, what are some other signs? Um yeah. And then I think I want to come back to the watch before the, the next few signs is just the, the watches and the sleep stats and everything. Like you'll get all the data on your phone from your Whoop or your Garmin or your Apple watch on your sleep. Um, one thing I just want to make a point towards is if the data confirms what you already felt, then great. But if it's going against what you felt and you're changing the way you think about how you feel based on what the watch says, that is a poor direction to head. Always rely on how do you feel in your body first, um, and get in tune with that. And then if the data informs that better, great. But if it doesn't, it might be a question mark. So I think just wanted to hit home the point, like listen to your body and learn how to do that when it comes to any sort of data or device, uh, when it comes to monitoring health signal status, um, but other signs would be, do you rely on naps throughout the day? Like, do you need naps because that is not necessarily something? It, it could be like behaviorally trained of just like maybe that's just what what you did growing up and that was just a thing. But like, do you actually feel like you need them? Because that is a sign that your sleep throughout the night is not sufficient. Um, are you heavily relying on caffeine? I described the cycle a little bit, but you know, if you are having a lot of a lot of caffeine whether you realize it or not, it will impact the quality of your sleep if it's not out of your system by the time you're going to bed. So that's really, really important um, to know that. And and this has, um, if you go back to our episode of Greg Knuckles uh, and genetics, there's people that digest caffeine very quickly. There's people that digest caffeine slowly. Um, And if you are one of those slower digesting People with caffeine, you might have to cut off your caffeine early in the afternoon to have it out of your system by bedtime and get the quality sleep that you need. Um, And you know, you don't have to do a twenty-three and Me to find out. Like you can rely on your body's signals to you of are you well rested? Like to figure out, like maybe I should play around with this. Maybe I should see really what's going to get me the best rest.
1: Yeah, and so I think they typically recommend cutting off caffeine. I believe around one or 2 PM. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think anything like, I mean, I've heard before four, I've heard before three, I've heard anything afternoon is bad. Like, so I think just on average from all the different recommendations that are thrown around like early afternoon for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is just being aware of the caffeine you're consuming, like what, what, uh, what products have caffeine in it and how much. Um, because that's something I didn't ever really pay attention to (laughs) until I started prep. Um, yeah, I know you have a really funny story. We've told it like twice on the podcast. I know (laughs) it's so funny. But I guess that's another kind of uh I think like I think that's a really cool example of like placebo effect. Oh yeah. Um nocebo. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um but yeah basically. (laughs) I visited Christina in 2020, yeah, like mm-hmm. around New Year's time, 2020. And were you in contest prep at the time? No, or you were just I, out, recently out of it.
1: Uh recently out, 2020. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like a month or two later.
0: Yeah. So basically, like, um, she was basically downing this this supplement called ABCD, and so Core Nutritionals has two different. BCA flavored supplements, ABCs, which is just BCAs, beta alanine, citrulline, which is a non-stimulant. There's nothing else in it except just BCAs and like for for those benefits. And then ABCD, that D stands for DRIVE and DRIVE means caffeine. And so it has hundred milligrams of caffeine per scoop. And she ordered ABCD thinking that it was the same basically as ABCs or like, you know, what's the difference, whatever. I was, was, I think
1: I was pretty new to core at that point. Yeah. So it'd been like a month or two. I feel she, like
0: She was scooping that shit like before bed, drinking her ABCDs, uh, like just out of her fucking gallon. <laughs> <laughs> and I was literally like, it was one night she like scooped it into her drink and was like, okay, good night. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm not going to say anything. Cause I don't want her to just be like tossing and turning. Um, if like, if she feels the effects, she wakes up the next morning and I was like, I was out and I was like, Hey, how'd you sleep? She was like, great. Why? And I was like, well, I have some news for you. Fun fact." (laughs) And I told her the difference between the supplements and she was like, damn, I've been doing like this many scoops a day. Like that's crazy. (laughs) Um, so like, you know, basically, uh, was just like tripling her caffeine intake without even knowing, um, but yeah. was sleeping fine because she didn't know that it was in her system or fine enough. Right. Yeah. It's not raising a red flag. So that, I think that was really interesting, but, um, but yeah, so that's what happened. It was hilarious.
1: Yeah. So long story short, just be careful of what you're taking as like, especially supplements, because, um, like I was with a previous supplement company before, and they recommend on the serving size to have half a scoop. And, you know, when someone puts a scoop in the scooper, everyone does a full scoop. And it was like 425 milligrams of caffeine for one scoop of pre-workout. And if you're having coffee, if you happen to have an energy drink, if you have a diet soda, like you could be drinking upwards of like 800 to 900 milligrams caffeine, which is pretty high. Yeah. Um, so be aware of what you're taking and also be aware of serving sizes.
0: Yeah. I will even say like, I think a sneaky one for myself and for a lot of people is diet soda. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we love soda in this household. We are not anti-diet soda whatsoever. Um, but diet Coke came out with a caffeine free mm-hmm. version Coke zero has a caffeine free now. So literally anytime I am like craving like bubbly soda before bed, I'm veering towards that or like the Sprite, all like citrus, like seven Up and Sprites. They don't have any caffeine, sun-kissed. Um, but like most Coke and Pepsi products do, or like Dr. Peppers and all of that have some caffeine. Um, so if you can get the caffeine-free version for like your dinner drink, um, very, very, very helpful. Yes. Okay. So those are all the questions that you could ask yourself if you're unsure, if you're getting good enough sleep. And I think one more thing, that I I wanted to hit on that's not like on our list here is maybe why you might only get four or five hours of sleep per night, uh, but feel okay. And I think that there may be certain times in our life where short stints of this is okay. For example, having a newborn, like Mm -hmm. you are biologically programmed for that to be okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is literally wild. Like if you are breastfeeding, there's something in your hormones that shortens your sleep cycles and like makes you not as tired when you have a newborn and you're sleep deprived it is so crazy like learning about the female body so just putting that out there
0: that's really cool I didn't know about the hormones part yeah Um, so I
1: think that was one of the reasons why like my husband would wake up after we were up two or three nights and he was like why are you fine? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I feel great. And he was like, I take, he was the one taking naps, even though I was up longer throughout the night and I literally wake up fine. And I, I think since having a newborn, I've taken one nap.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Like just evolutionary wise. Um, so that's one, I think another one that I was kind of thinking of, um, Alex Hormosi about, he did a reel recently where he was like, I wake up at 5 AM just excited to work and blah, blah, blah. And like, so he might be an anomaly, but I think (laughs) in short stints, like let's say there's something you're really excited about with work and like, you can't stop thinking about it. Or like, maybe, you know, uh, maybe Christmas. um, Yeah. (laughs) Christmas or a really exciting event is coming up um, in your life and you just like, can't stop thinking about it. So you wake up just excited for each day, like ready to tackle it. I think in short stints, uh, you know, our, our bodies are programmed to like raise our alertness and our, um, sympathetic nervous system to wake us up and and be ready for those things. So if we are very excited about something, it's often times our fight or flight system being like, I'm ready to go, let's do this. Right. And so, um, again, that is, we've talked a lot about stress and the sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system and um, how that in overdrive can be bad for your health long-term. But um, again, it's it's our stress system is meant to help us um, adapt to stressors and overcome challenges. And so in short stints, that is like, okay. And that is great. Use that productivity, use that energy, use that, um, time frame but it's when that gets prolonged is when we might get into a pattern of oh did we go from that to now oversleeping are we now compensating for that time frame where we were on overdrive um and just being aware of those patterns, I think. So, um, you know, if you are in a time frame where you are sleeping a little bit less, um, and you're not, you don't have the magic postpartum hormones for it. <laughs> um, then, then just be wary that like, you know, listen to your body signals when it's time to put that phase of your life on hold and get back to a normal sleep cycle. Yeah.
1: Agreed. So, We'll transition and now you're like, okay, I get it. Sleep is important. Like, how do I improve it? So we're going to talk about something called sleep hygiene. Um, so again, trying to improve the quality of your sleep. Um, so I know if you're anywhere where I am like it is so freaking hot <laughs> like bumping the AC down I can just hear like the money falling out of my wallet but um keeping your room temperature cold anywhere
0: between 66 to 70 is recommended. Yeah. And you know stay tuned for the end of this episode as well because we're going to kind of tie all these knots together and all these open loops together of like okay sleep is sleep is important. Here's why. And then we're going to go through these tips. Here's what can happen when you implement these tips in terms of your results. I do want to just like touch on that a little bit of like, what benefits is that going to have and just contrast there. So stay tuned towards the end, if you want to hear all of that as well. Um, but yeah, room temperature, um, screen time, you know, a lot of these things you guys probably have heard before through just buzzfeed and, you know, just word of mouth. Like it's, it is stuff that is preached commonly, but um, it, you know I don't think we can really overstate the importance. Um, so room temperature, 66 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit is usually best, um, but it is relative to your external environment. So for example, uh, Aaron's cousin lives in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. where it's like 115 degrees right now. And for him, Uh, 75, 80 degrees in his house feels cold compared to the outside environment. And so for him, that relative change in temperature is, you know, going from normal to cool allows him to get to sleep better. And so it may depend on your environment a little bit. So just keep that in mind, uh, screen time. So if you can limit how much you're staring at a screen before bed, or if you don't limit that, then, where blue light blockers turn on night mode on your phone or on your TV. So it has that orange hue instead of the blue. Um, That is something that if we're getting back into the conversation of circadian rhythm, um, the reason why our circadian rhythm programs to uh, wake us up in the morning and have us go to bed at night, think about what the sky looks like at sunrise and during the day compared to at night. So the sun rises and we have all these blue, like hues of the sky and of light, um, coming into our eyes and into the receptors of our eyes and eventually getting to this place in the middle of our brain, uh, called the SCN and it programs our circadian rhythm. Um, and when we're receiving that light, that's why everybody nowadays is like, get, get sunlight the first thing in the morning when you wake up, because it programs your circadian rhythm to then wake up at that time consistently. Um, and then when you're going to sleep, uh, the sun setting, um, if you can imagine like the pinks, the oranges, and like all the colors there, like those are some of the hues that the sky is emitting. And so if we get wind of that, if we're outside in the evening and we're getting that, um, decrease in light overall, that is again, getting to that same place in the back of our head. And, um, signaling here's the sleep hormones like let's release x y and z serotonin and all of these different things um and signaling that wind down pattern for our body so it's biologically um cued from the environment of like the light that we would naturally see just like from the sky into our brain to program the pattern that perpetuates waking up at the time to continue to you know what i'm trying to say Yeah. (laughs) The end of that sentence was just gone, but uh, yeah, but basically that is how that works. So, (laughs) so yeah, so sorry. Yeah. No, if you have blue light in your eyes at night, guess what that's going to do? It's going to keep you awake because that is a signal to wake up the end. (laughs) So limiting
1: screen time, but also like the lights around your house. Um, so start to kind of dim the lights a little bit. And it also is kind of like a cue telling your body like hey it's time to get ready for bed like this is part of our kind of like wind down routine
0: yeah both a behavioral cue and a biological cue so the light itself is a biological cue but the behavioral cue um will also help and you could couple these things together because behavioral cues um signal to different parts of your brain of like hey this is a habit that i have and this habit leads to me sleeping and then your body's going to start to be like oh this is when i'm going to get tired and then those things will work together. Yeah.
1: So having a repeatable nighttime and wind down routine, I guess that kind of goes hand in hand. So having a, a very similar routine that you do every single day, and that also includes the time period. So if you go to bed at a certain time, every single night, try to repeat that. And same thing with getting up in the morning. Yeah. Um, so that can be difficult on the weekends because typically what happens is we stay up a little later and we, uh, sleep in a little bit later. So trying to have your weekdays and weekends be as close as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you can, especially because like most people will try to sleep in on the weekends and naturally, why wouldn't you want to get extra sleep? But if you can keep that wake up window within an hour of like, if you normally wake up at six on the weekdays, like, can you wake up at seven on the weekends and and make that a habit? So it's not like, you know, there's a four hour difference between when you wake up on the weekdays and the weekends, is that going to be perfect? No, but like if everything could be perfect and ideal, that's what we would do. Yes. Um, and you can you can strive for that, and you'll make mistakes, but like it will improve your quality of life to strive for that rather than just throwing it all out the window.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess we should have said this kind of around the the screen time and, and lights is having uh, blackout curtains. So we actually utilize these in the nursery right now because um, we want to. Like when he's napping, we want to make sure that there is no light in that room to signal like, Hey, it's time for bed. Um, so the other thing too, is they have these really cool, like circadian kind of clocks that like, they start to emit light oh, yeah. and they get lighter and lighter and lighter and kind of help your body naturally wake up. I don't have one, but I like my husband and I really, really want to get one. Cause we're, he's super into that stuff.
0: I've, I've heard good things about it. I've had yeah. a couple clients who have the alarm clocks that are light clocks instead of, um, yeah, instead of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say that I feel like that would work for me because right now <laughs> we actually don't have any curtains up in our house.
1: Mm. So
0: we literally, our room just like lights up when the sun rises at this yeah. point
1: yeah. and
0: I still snooze. So <laughs> <laughs> telling you get a baby, they'll wake you up (laughs) or a puppy. Like that's that's the next thing, right? Is uh, that'll be an alarm clock in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So blackout curtains and then also using a
1: weighted blanket. Um, so right now I, I love to use one in the winter, but right now it's so hot. Um, so I'm not able to use one, but that can be, uh, something to utilize as well.
0: Yeah. Also, um, I was actually talking to someone recently who had a really tight budget and, um, you know, their AC bill is not something that is a part of that budget to increase, um, in the summer. And so I actually sent her a, um, what was it? It was like a bed, bed pad thing, like a mattress cover. Oh yeah. That's a cooling mattress cover where you plug Mm -hmm. it in and it cools the, the surface of your bed and they have weighted blankets that you could, You can have on top of you that do that, but you'll also have like the bed cover. Um, So, if you can't necessarily just crank up the AC, you could get one of those or get a cooling weighted blanket or a cooling bed cover um, that could like simulate that temperature for you, um, but not, you know, rack up the bill quite as much noted
1: yeah i know that they have those and then the super fancy ones if they have like the cool or heat one side of bed and the other side you can do whatever temperature so if you have a spouse that doesn't like your same sleep temperature that's another option Um, yeah and then wearing comfortable and loose clothing to bed um, that can be really helpful because obviously you don't want to be uncomfortable when you're trying to sleep yeah
0: And then, uh, we talked about this one, but exposing yourself to daylight early in the morning, uh, Mm -hmm. and just perpetuating that rhythm of show yourself to daylight, blue light in the morning and avoid it in the evenings. Um, and just try to keep that as regular as possible. I know that a lot of times, um, I've heard about, you know, how in Alaska and like towards the poles of the earth where it's like bright all day for 24 hours, sometimes a year and dark for 24 hours sometimes a year. Um having like an actual uh blue light like uh lamp or something mm-hmm. to like sit with first thing in the morning can be really helpful for those types of people um who just aren't getting the sunlight that they need. So that's something that you know if you're in that part of the world, <laughs> invest in that for yourself during those types of times of year. Um, and then caffeine already talked about caffeine but um you know, mid early mid afternoon at the latest, but also pay attention to how your body digests caffeine. Um, if you can't tell, then assess by how you wake up in the morning, um, and what that caffeine looked like the day prior, right? If your sleep was absolute dog shit, when you had coffee at three in the afternoon, (laughs) compared to when you had it at noon for the last time, then that is something to note. Right. And and try to, I, I would recommend with this sort of a thing, if you're not going to get a genetic test, which I don't think is necessary, um, to figure out what, how you digest caffeine, just journal it, just be like this night had terrible sleep. Here was my caffeine intake the day before and just log it for the sake of seeing trends. And then once you start to see those trends, you'll, you should have a thorough understanding of what that means for you. Yeah. So do you want to tie it all together? Sure. Um, So basically, uh, a couple things that we wanted to hit on was just like, okay, so those are a bunch of tips on sleep hygiene. We talked about how uh, poor sleep can impact pretty much every aspect of daily human life and functioning. Now, when you take care of these things, what kind of a difference can you actually see in your fat loss, in your results, in your muscle building, and all of these processes are processes that are benefited by improving your sleep. And so um, I'm gonna lean on some literature here uh, because it, it, it really is telling when you kind of take all of this stuff, like everything we've talked about, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen in isolation, right? Like we sleep and we also have our nutrition. We also have our training. We also have all these other variables that always are just constantly moving parts that adds up to our results. And so the best thing we can do when we want to see, does A affect B is put it in a scientific study and see like if we control everything else as much as we possibly can, does this variable A impact variable B? And so sleep, we've, we've seen in the research that in an actual study that was conducted um, kind of in, in a context like what the stuff we talk about. Um, I believe it was either done at Bill Campbell's lab or it was done, it was reviewed by Bill Campbell's lab um, and that he has kind of the physique science lab going on down there in Florida. But there was a study where there were two groups and one group was sleep restricted and the other group was not. And everything else was the same. They had a calorie deficit custom to them. They had a resistance training protocol custom to them. And they had basically, you know, all of the factors and the formulas were matched up so that these people should be losing body fat and losing weight. And what happened in that study was the group that um, had sleep restriction had a higher proportion of weight lost from their muscle and their lean mass, um, 60% more, in fact, and a lower proportion of uh, their weight from fat mass. So actually 55% less body fat was lost in that fat loss phase. Again, everything else was controlled. Their their nutrition, their training, like this is kind of a great example of like, uh, kind of parallel to what I talked about with Aaron is like, You can work so hard. You can have all of your ducks in a row, but if that sleep is not there, or if it's messed up in some way, like the actual quality of your fat loss or muscle gain results are going to be impacted. And so that is just one study to illustrate like how impactful it can be to have good sleep versus poor sleep. And for details' sake, this was eight hours versus five hours, five hours. Isn't even like that little. So like, if you go to bed at midnight and wake up at five, or you go to bed at one and you wake up at six for work, like this applies to you and the results that you may or may not be seeing. So if you are, um, kind of in that camp, it's hard to break habits that you've had for years of, I stay up gaming till one in the morning with my friends, or, you know, I have, um, I have nights out a few nights a week that I'm staying out till two or three or whatever it is that keeps you up and prevents you from getting the sleep that you need. I understand it all too well because I enjoy watching TV before bed. And sometimes we let it go an episode or two, too, too far. But, you know, when you're in particular phases of your journey, you have to ask yourself, like, could this make a measurable difference? And if so, like, how can I, make some concessions with myself to make this better, not perfect, but just better so that you can see the results that you want to see. Cause all of your hard work should not be in vain when it comes to your training and your nutrition and your fat loss journey. Yeah. And I think
1: that's a, a really good thing to, to wrap up on. And I have so many things just like anecdotally my like clients and myself, but I think you guys get the point. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep is important. And you know, if you have all these uh tangible takeaways and you're like, okay, but I'm going to bed at two in the morning. Like how do I go to bed at like nine? Try just every single night trying to go to bed like 10 minutes earlier. And like 10 minutes yeah. earlier, 10 minutes earlier. And eventually you might be able to move it up a couple hours and just see the difference that it makes and then play around with it. Like you know, just with anything you might need to figure out what works best for you in your body.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And you got to be patient with yourself when you're changing these patterns because your circadian rhythm does not reset itself overnight. Um, it'll usually take at least a few days if you're really diligent about it. But if you're, you know, kind of spotty or inconsistent, like it could take a couple of weeks. Um, and so you know, try your best to just take baby steps. And so we we recently had a client. Was going to bed at two or three in the morning, we said, Let's go back 30 minutes. You know, if you can get to bed at 1 30, like that is a win. And it was such a perspective shift for that person because they were like, Oh, like I can call it a success if if it's not 9 p.m. Like, Oh, cool, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's almost like more motivating because you'd be like, Wow, I can actually do that. So be right. patient with yourself and set realistic goals and take it slow because your sleep patterns are most likely uh, have been ingrained for a long time and habits around that. Uh, And it's going to take a while to undo that just like any sort of habit change. So be patient with yourself and um, take those baby steps.
1: Yeah. Well, awesome guys. Uh, We hope that this episode was helpful. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn fit. Marissa is at Marissa Roy fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope to see you back next week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.